Our Father in heaven, we praise you today because you are our God and King. And in a world of, of violence and sickness and drought, we turn to you as our only hope. We praise you for being a God who is merciful and gracious. And we come to you today as we just have confessing our sins against you, admitting our need for Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the salvation you've promised us through him if we confess our sins. We thank you for the many other good gifts you give us all the time. We thank you for the rain this last week, for our dry ground. Father, we thank you for the many opportunities you give us in this life. We thank you for this college, for all of your people here working and, and striving to honor you, to train up the next generation of servant leaders. Lord, we thank you for the general peace that we enjoy in our country. We thank you for those who put their lives on the line to protect our lives both abroad and here in the United States. We thank you for all the things that we take for granted, for, for food, for clothing, for roofs over our heads, for our families, for our friends, for our church communities, for this college community. We thank you for blessing us so richly. We also bring our request to you. You've said that you are a good father who lo loves to give good gifts to your children. And so we ask you, as you've commanded us to, to give us our daily bread. Give us what we need to survive in this world. We ask that you would protect us from temptation. That you would deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are sick. For those who are grieving. For those who are lonely. For those in financial need. Lord, for all of those who are hurting or empty or who, who need you and need others in their lives, that you would fill their needs. We ask that you would make us instruments in your hands to fill those needs and to help our brothers and sisters and our neighbors around us. Lord, in all the different places you've called us to be and all the different callings you've given us, may we glorify you in everything that we say and that we think and that we do. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're picking up our study through the book of Mark in chapter 12 today. And we've come to the last parable that Jesus tells in the book of Mark. And Jesus isn't holding back at this point. It's just a couple of days before he's going to die. And his confrontation with the leaders has been building up to this point. And so he tells a parable here that's really not very subtle. He tells him a parable that's really kind of a smack in the face to the leaders at that time. So keep in mind as we read this, what we've just read from Isaiah, that the vineyard that Jesus talks about here is God's people. And think about what that means for the leaders of God's people here in Mark chapter 12. So we're going to read Mark 12, verses 1 through 12. This is the Word of God. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and him they killed and so with many others. Some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. 
Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you, not have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Jesus came out swinging in this parable. As I said, he was getting to the end of his ministry. He was getting to the end of his time here on this earth. And he was, he was sort of relaxing the way that he was talking around these people. He was letting it fly kind of here at the end. And some of Jesus' parables, it's kind of hard to understand exactly what he's talking about. We have to think a little while to figure out who the different parts are in this parable, in those parables. But this parable is about as clear as they get. And people in Jesus' day knew the book of Isaiah. And they knew the Psalms. And in both Isaiah and the Psalms, the Bible talks about God's people as a vineyard. So right at the beginning, the people listening knew Jesus is talking about God as the man who planted the vineyard and the vineyard as God's people. So then the tenants, the people who are supposed to take care of the vineyard, are the leaders of God's people. And the servants that God sent over and over again are the prophets of the Old Testament. The prophets that God sent over and over again to tell them to turn back to the Lord. And then everyone knew that Jesus was calling himself the Son of God in this parable. And Jesus used common metaphors here so that people would know exactly what he was talking about. This is kind of like if you see a, a political cartoon and you have a, an elephant and a donkey, you know that it's about Republicans and Democrats. That's the kind of thing he was using here. These are, these are pictures that these people knew, that they understood immediately. And I say all of this to help you see that Jesus threw down the gauntlet here. Things are about to come to a final confrontation. And he's challenging them with, a basic, with the basic question, will you accept and respect the Son of God? He was talking to people who claimed to be God's people, who claimed to be the leaders of God's people. And he challenges them and says, when it comes down to it, are you going to respect the Son of God? And many of you here this morning are, are like me. You call yourself a Christian, just like I do. Now, we name the name of Christ. We profess that we are God's people, that we are Christians. So the question for you and for me this morning is, do you respect God's own Son? Whether in big ways or little ways, do you give Jesus the respect He deserves as the Son of God? Or would you rather live as if He has no say in your life? That's the message of this parable that we're looking at here this morning. And if you claim to be God's own people, if we claim to be God's own people, respect God's own Son. If you claim to be God's own people, respect God's own Son. I'm going to build this picture the way that Jesus does. There's sort of three phases to this story. And these three phases of the story are still true to us, true for us as God's people today. So first, Jesus says that God has sent you blessings. God has sent you 
blessings. Jesus says here there was a man who planted a vineyard and set it up with everything it needed. He gave it a fence. He, gave it a, he dug a pit so you could crush the grapes, press the grapes. He gave it a tower so that people could watch over it and guard it. This is all a picture of what God had done for the people of Israel. When he brought them out of the land of Egypt, he gave them everything they needed. He protected them and provided for them. That's why back in Isaiah 5, he said, What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? God blessed his people in amazing ways. He gave them food in the middle of the desert. He parted the Red Sea. He knocked over the walls of Jericho. He provided everything they needed. And so Jesus starts this parable reminding them that all these blessings they enjoy are from God. It's because He gave them to them. And remember here, He's talking to the leaders of Israel. These are the people who make their living off of the blessings on God's people. These are the people who are running those markets in the temple that Jesus had just cleared out. who are making huge amounts of money off of all the people coming to Jerusalem to worship. These people were making huge amounts of money that, and He wanted to remind them that this was because God had blessed them. It was God who had given them these things. If you think about it, this is kind of like your, your dad or your mom reminding you who pays the bills around here. You know, if you, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but if you're ever moaning about how hard your life is and how you never get what you want and, and you need a little more freedom and stuff, that your, your mom or your dad might say, you know, who pays utilities around here? Who pays the rent here? Who provides your insurance? And if they really get into it, they might actually make you up a little bill and hand it to you to show you all the costs that they're covering for you. But the point is that that's basically what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, God is the one who's given you all of this. You guys didn't accomplish this on your own. God has blessed you richly. He prepared this place for you. And the truth is that that's still true for us as Christians today. There are so many blessings we enjoy in this life as God's people. It's true, we're going to suffer and be persecuted as Christians. I don't want to gloss over that. But we do enjoy so many blessings, so many good things in this life. In a world where there's so much loneliness, we have the community of faith. If you've grown up in a church, if you have a connection with a church, chances are anywhere you go in the country, you can find another church kind of like that where you can go and people will welcome you and support you. That's a real blessing. Ephesians 4 verse 11 tells us that the leaders of God's people are a blessing and gift from God. You should probably be wary of anyone who tells you that they're a gift from God to you, but I'm telling you that pastors and leaders are a blessing from God. They've been given a charge to watch over you, to care for you. They have to. because They have to give an account to God for what they do. And that's a blessing in this life to have someone looking out for you. And if you're working at a church, or if you're working in a Christian institution like this one, you, your paycheck is a benefit of being part of God's people, just like the leaders in Jesus' day. And the temptation is still there for us today to forget that those blessings are from God. It's tempting to accept those blessings and to leave God out of the equation. All of this is a gift from God. And that's how Jesus sets up this story. He wants them to remember God has provided these things for you. Now, to help, help God's people not forget that these blessings are from Him, He sent messengers over and over again to tell them to return to God and to tell Him who He was and what He expected of them. So Jesus tells in the story that he started, the owner started sending servants over and over again. And the first few come back beaten and shamed. And it gets a little worse. There's sort of an escalation in this story. It gets worse. They start to kill these servants. 
Essentially, these tenants enjoyed the good life that God had given them, but didn't want to hear from him. They enjoyed keeping the profits for themselves and didn't want to hear from the owner. But God was patient. He kept giving them messages over and over again. In 2 Chronicles 36, it talks about how he persistently sent his messengers because of his compassion for them. He kept giving them chances. He kept saying, come back to me. Listen to me. I am your God. I've blessed you with these things. Think about how many prophets there are that God sent to his people. There's so many of them that have books in the Old Testament, we have a hard time finding them, right? I mean, it doesn't help that they have names like Habakkuk and Zephaniah, but it, it, there are so many people sent to tell God's people his word that we have a hard time keeping track of them. God gave them so many warnings. And those prophets are these servants that Jesus is talking about. God had given them so much. They just wanted the blessings without the obligation. But he kept sending them messages. Imagine that you're trying to get a hold of somebody. And you send them a text and, they, and you don't hear anything back. And you figure, okay, maybe, maybe they forgot. Maybe they missed it and they didn't respond. Maybe you send them a couple more texts. You even send them a message in one of the apps that actually tells you if, if it's been seen. And so you say, okay, I know they saw it. I know they heard from you. Maybe they just forgot. Maybe they're, maybe they're busy. And so maybe you call them and they don't pick up. You think, well, maybe they missed the call. And you call them again and they pick up and hang up on you. At that point, you probably know that they're trying to avoid you. And that's what the kind of picture that Jesus is painting here, but in a much more serious way. The landlord keeps sending these servants and they keep rejecting them. And Jesus is building this case against the leaders. That it's just getting worse and worse and it's building to something big. Before we get to the tipping point, think about how God has spoken to us even today. The ways that God has spoken to us. Those prophets that God sent are here in His Word. They've recorded. Hebrews 1 tells us that God spoke to us in so many different ways. And those are recorded here. So the question is, how are you receiving God's messengers? Are you accepting God's Word? Ask yourself, have I accepted or rejected the messengers that God has sent? Do you ever read the Bible and you don't like something it says and you kind of just dismiss it? Decide, I just don't want to hear that right now. I want to live my life my way. Because this is a temptation we all face to enjoy the blessings without wanting to hear from our Lord. Now God does take it seriously when we disrespect or, dis, or uh, disregard His Word. But that's not really the tipping point in this story. And as important as respect for God's Word is, there's something even more fundamentally important here. More important in your life than your view of the Bible is your, whether or not you accept God's own Son. So moving to the third part of this parable and thinking about how it applies today, God has sent you His Son. God has sent you His Son. The story that Jesus tells here builds and builds until you get to verse 6, where the owner of the vineyard has one last resort, one last chance he's going to give these people. He decides to send his own son and says, they will respect my son. And to go back to the analogy of trying to get a hold of somebody, you've sent your texts, you've called them, you've tried everything, you figure, okay, I'm going to give this friendship one last chance, and I'm just going to go knock on their door. Let's hash this out. I'm just going to go and knock on the door. And you go, you knock on the door, they open the door, they look you in the face, and they slam the door. Or worse, they assault you. 
That's what happens here in this story. That's what happens when God sends His own Son. That last chance. Jesus says that these tenants knew what they were doing. They saw the Son coming and they showed their real character at this point. There was no pretense. There was no misunderstanding about what was going on. They said, if we kill him, we get the inheritance. If we kill him, we get all the blessings without the obligations. If we get rid of the son, we get to do things our way and keep everything for ourselves. And this is what actually happened to Jesus. When we're talking about a parable, we can get sort of caught up in this sort of imagination of it's just a story, right? It's not a real, this is just a story that Jesus made up to make a point. But this happened to Jesus. Think about this moment when Jesus was talking to these men. This is in the temple in Jerusalem. He's standing there talking to the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And in just a few days, three or four days, those same men, those eyes he's looking into, those faces he's looking at, were going to be the ones that were spitting on him. That were saying, crucify him. That were saying, even his blood be on us and on our children. This was real. This was real, this was God's people face to face with the Son of God rejecting Him. That was what was really happening to Jesus. And this is just as real today. Even though Jesus is not face to face with us here today, the same question remains. Will God's own people, will you and I accept and respect God's own Son in a real way? Because before we start feeling good about the fact that we didn't crucify Jesus, ask yourself, am I guilty of this kind of attitude? Do I want the benefits of Christianity, but I don't want to listen to what God says about how, who He is and how I should respond? Do I want the, the good feelings from worship and from community, but don't want to let Him run my life? We've seen some extreme examples of this recently. The pastor in Toronto and another pastor in Oregon who have publicly declared that they're atheists, but they want to continue serving as pastors because they like the community and they like the cultural heritage. They think it's a good thing. They want the blessings that they don't believe in God. But it doesn't have to be that extreme to be true. Do you believe, do you really believe that Jesus is who He says He is? And do you give Him the respect that the Son of God deserves? It really matters whether you respect and accept the Son of God. That's the message of this parable. That's the heart of the Christian message. It's Jesus Christ, the God-man. Now the irony of this passage is in verse 7. If you remember, the reason that these tenants wanted to kill the Son was so that they could get the inheritance. They thought, if we get rid of Him, we get the good things without any of the obligations. They thought they could get the inheritance that way, but they end up with nothing. Jesus says here, what will the owner do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. If we try to hold on to the blessings of God's people without God Himself, if we want Christianity without King Jesus telling us what to do, we come up empty at the end. And the irony here is that if they had received Jesus, if they had accepted Jesus, they would have gotten the inheritance. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Listen to what John says about Jesus in John 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. That's what we've been seeing. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And then Paul in Romans 8, 17 says, And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. This is the good news of this parable. He says he'll take it away from those people, but he'll give it to others. And that's you and me. That if we accept the Son, if we accept and respect Him, if we seek forgiveness through Him, we become the heirs. We get the inheritance of God's people. That is fantastically good news. We get that eternal peace with God, that adoption into God's family, that new heavens and new earth that's coming. Earlier I said that many of you are, are like me. You call yourself a Christian. Many of you grew up in the church, or you grew up in the vineyard, if you want to put it that way, using this parable. But the good news of Jesus Christ today is for every one of you. Whether you've lived, whether you've grown up in the church or not, whether you call yourself a Christian up to this point or not, whether you've lived a squeaky clean life or not, the good news is to those who receive Jesus Christ, God will give the inheritance. And that's true for all of you today if you will turn to Jesus Christ, if we put our trust in Him. It's not about being a great leader in God's people that's not what earns us these things. Growing up in the church or being in Christian leadership or working for churches or Christian institutions, that did, those things don't matter if you don't respect and receive Jesus Christ. Going to church and following the rules and getting good grades, those things don't matter if you don't accept and respect Jesus Christ. God has sent His own Son to us. So friends, the good news for you this morning, whether you believe and believed your whole life or not, is that the Son of God came to earth and made a way for us to be at peace with God if you will confess your sin through Him and honor and respect our King Jesus Christ. So my challenge to you this morning is get to know Jesus. Maybe you've known Jesus your whole life. Maybe you don't know much about Jesus at all. Read about Him. Read what He said in the Bible. Read what the Bible says about Him. And ask yourself, wrestle in your own heart, do I believe that He is who He says He is? And if you do, are you willing to show Him the respect that He deserves as God's own Son? Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we know that in our sin, or our natural hearts, we want to be free from all authority. We want to run things the way we want to. We want all the blessings and none of the obligation. Lord, we want to turn away the servants of God, to turn away the Son of God, because we want to do things our way. But Lord, please humble us and give us joy in Jesus Christ to accept Him as our Savior and Lord. We thank You for Your Word that speaks so clearly of these things, that makes it, helps us understand with these pictures. And we thank You most of all for sending Your Son to die for us so that we don't have to face punishment for sin. We thank You.
for your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.